0: This week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast is sponsored by ArtBase. Are you managing an art collection, an artist studio, or a gallery? Is it time to bring your collection management skills up to a professional level? We think so. Well, ArtBase is the right software to manage your art business. ArtBase allows you to track your artworks and contacts in an easy-to-use, powerful database. You just enter your data once and use that data to generate reports, offers, contracts, and much more. They've got a brand new version out with a whole new look that can be used on the cloud from any location on any device. So what are you waiting for? Go to ArtBase.com now to learn more and be sure to mention ArtTactic for a 15% discount. Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic podcast. I'm your host, Adam Green. Hope everyone's doing well and staying safe. First, I want to apologize for the audio quality in this week's episode. I'm traveling this week, and so I'm recording this out of my hotel room, and I don't have my trusty microphone, but I appreciate you bearing with us. We have a really exciting episode for you this week. I remember it was March 3rd of last year. We had Lisa Movius on the podcast. She's a Shanghai-based journalist, and she chatted with us about the coronavirus and its impact on the Chinese art scene. And at that stage, the virus had not spread significantly outside of China. And if you actually go back and listen to that episode, it's Quite an interesting experience to hear about the pandemic in its infancy before it spread around the world and impacted all of us. Since then, we haven't chatted in depth on the podcast about the extent to which the Chinese art scene has recovered since the initial phase of the pandemic. So, in this week's episode of the podcast, we speak with Meg Maggio, director of Peken Fine Arts, about the current Chinese art market and art scene. Meg has been based in China for several decades, and we really value her insights. So we hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks so much for listening. it's great to have you back on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: You're welcome. I'm happy to chat.
0: Of course, it's our pleasure to have you on. So I think this conversation is going to be really fascinating because we actually haven't had someone on the podcast to chat with us in depth about the Chinese art scene since early March of 2020, when we spoke to a journalist based in Shanghai about this virus called coronavirus that we knew very little about and its impact on the Chinese art market and art scene. Since then, of course, the world has changed in so many ways, and you were in Beijing last year, and so we want to understand and get a better sense of what was the initial start of the pandemic like for you and the art world in China, and what has this experience been like for you? You relocated to Hong Kong first, and now you actually have relocated to the States, at least temporarily. So share with us your experience with this pandemic and your journey from Beijing to Hong Kong to now in the US.
1: For us, we were in Beijing up until February 1st, 2020. And for us, the pandemic really is marked by Chinese New Year. So we were just starting the Chinese New Year celebrations at the end of January 2020. And these announcements sort of spread through the media, not that people should stay home, that there was this virus and no one should go out. And we were invited to an artist's house, traditionally Chinese New Year's Eve, you get together with your friends and family and have a big banquet. And we arrived at the banquet and there was no one, all of the guests had canceled and the streets of Beijing were pretty empty uh and we knew this was serious and something was terribly wrong i was in beijing during sars and this was worse and more uh the streets were really like a ghost town so we then that was that was the end of january chinese new year was sort of uh that you know not not widely celebrated that year outside of the home and then we, it seems already like five years ago, but it was only a year ago, a little over a year ago, we decided that we uh, they started shutting down our village where our gallery was on the outskirts of Beijing uh, in an art district and the village shut it down so our employees couldn't enter. Made it difficult to enter and exit. But neither our employees nor visitors could enter or exit. And that was, so we decided we'd fly to Hong Kong, uh, get out of Beijing winter, get out of the crackdown, and go to work out of our Hong Kong gallery. We have a branch also of Peking Fine Arts Gallery in Hong Kong as well as Beijing at that point. So we started working out of our Hong Kong gallery. Which we normally did go back and forth. We didn't imagine that what started on February 1st would continue and the lockdown would follow us to Hong Kong and it would continue till August 1st when we flew back to the United States after many canceled flights finally got back here. So I feel like the lockdown has sort of followed us wherever we've gone. It's starting in Beijing to Hong Kong and then back here to the East Coast. We've been in and out of Boston and New York and Miami primarily during the COVID.
0: And so you had a space in Beijing for several years and you gave that up during the pandemic. I know you're considering potentially opening a new space in mainland China, maybe a hybrid space of some kind, or no space at all. What is your mindset as a gallerist at this moment as you're weighing your options on what kind of gallery space you need in today's digital age, or do you even need one if you're a gallery?
1: It's tricky. I'm not sure about the physical presence of a gallery of the white uh, you know, the white cube. Idea may very soon be outmoded, but I think I need to be sort of boots on the ground. I need to be physically present in China, in Asia. I think with all these new emerging artists, new collectors, there's a lot of conversations that are really sort of more enjoyable face to face. I don't think everything is going to move online. I think this is very much a people to people business. And that is evidenced by the enormous amount of exhibitions that continue to come to China and Asia. I'm a little bit frustrated because I've been consulting for a great exhibition that's going to open in Beijing on July 3rd, and I won't be there. Um, so the Andy Warhol Museum is partnering with the ULIN Center of Contemporary Art in Beijing, bringing the largest Warhol show ever of over 300 works to Beijing and then to Shanghai in November. And I do plan on being at the Shanghai opening in November. If UCCA has a new space. They're expanding into Shanghai and the show will travel to their new space. So. The, regardless of the pandemic, regardless of trade war issues, the exhibitions continue to travel to China. Uh, a lot of great exhibitions, and from you know, museum to museum, and it's frustrating not to be on the ground and see the crowd's reaction and see you know school kids going to see a Warhol exhibition. Uh, so I'm really sort of biting at the bit and anxious to get back, chomping at the bit, and anxious to get back there as soon as
0: possible. Yeah, I'm sure. And I remember having guests on the podcast in the past, whether it was you or others, and one of the things we would talk about when we discussed the Chinese art scene is the lack of museums, the lack of institutional support in the Chinese art ecosystem. It seems like things have changed very much in the last few years. It seems like there are so many museums opening in China. A lot of them are private museums. They're bringing in really high-end exhibitions like the Warhol show you just referenced. How has the museum space changed over the past few years and how does hosting these high caliber museum shows have a cascading effect and really impact several different aspects of the art world in China?
1: Well, I I think they're a great educational opportunity for people to sort of stay at home and have the world come to them in China. And they're not not all the exhibitions are sort of Warhol Picasso. There's also a lot of very uh, sophisticated, more conceptual artist exhibitions. I don't think the rest of the world appreciates the fact that we've seen Paul McCarthy exhibited in Beijing. Paul McCarthy has come to Beijing. Nicholas Party, uh, Sean Kelly, Hockney from the Tate. There's going to be a huge George Condo show. There's been a lot of uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, new media exhibitions, Team Lab, uh, James Terrell. These are just recent exhibitions off the top of my head. Louise Bourgeois, plenty of uh, appetite to see this work in China in the new museum world. A lot of that is private museum, but the public state museums are also interested in doing exhibitions with, you know, international exchange exhibitions. They're all trying to get the balance right, which basically means the right mix of local uh, grassroots, indigenous curating, coupled with international shows coming from overseas. So how to get the mix right, and what I'm seeing is local curators learning very quickly what it means to curate a world-class show, how that works, and I think it can only help to improve the quality of local exhibitions you're going to see coming out of China. And and there's been a wide variety. I, mean, I was talking to someone today about a William Wegman show. I've seen a I've seen a gorgeous uh, William Cartridge show, a Sarah Morris show, all of this Elizabeth Payton. This is just recently off the top of my head in the last year or two.
0: I do want to touch on the art market in China with you. If we look at the auctions, we're seeing tremendous prices, especially for younger international contemporary artists. A lot of this buying is reportedly coming from Chinese collectors. What's your perspective on just how robust the market is right now for contemporary art from Chinese collectors and how sustainable is all of this?
1: Well, I think that Hong Kong has been a very effective marketplace, which is the reality of of Asia. Uh, Sotheby's and Christie's When they decided, I think it was already about 20 years ago, that they would consolidate all of their Asian auctions in Hong Kong, they wouldn't do any auctions in any other cities in Asia. It created an enormous market uh, at a very low tax base, import duty free, no capital gains, very low tax base, making Hong Kong over the years extremely attractive as a marketplace. Uh, and that has attracted collectors from all over Asia. A lot of those collectors are ethnically Chinese. So when we talk about the Chinese buyer, what does that mean? It could mean anything. It could mean a Chinese-American, a Chinese-Indonesian, a, Chinese a Taiwanese person, a person you know, who's Chinese but they're sitting in London, or someone in Sichuan province. So, I think that's sort of a broad term that's used to describe the Chinese diaspora. and people are are sort of regionally connecting. And I think that's very important to understand that the market in China is something that has brought a lot of regional interconnectedness across Asia. So that's that's exciting. that you know you don't maybe it's a buyer from Manila maybe it's and it also beyond the auction world it brings a lot of attention and support to the art gallery and museum world and the university art education world so we're seeing a really wonderful ecosystem develop not only in Hong Kong but all over Asia this sort of enthusiasm for opening new museums new collectors which I think uh the The art Fairs, as well as the auction houses, have served as a sort of catalyst to growing this uh, this appetite for collecting art
0: There's so much focus on the auctions in China, but it seems the entire ecosystem in China has changed a lot in the past few years, whether we're talking about galleries, museums, even universities. I know there's a lot going on in China that people aren't necessarily aware about. So what would you say are a few of the areas that are really significant developments over the past few years that are worth highlighting?
1: Well, I think the art fan scene has gotten very interesting in China because it's sort of triggering people into uh, looking at art more closely, more carefully, and considering collecting and considering uh, acquiring living with artwork. So there's all sorts of new art fairs springing up around China, not only in Beijing and Shanghai, but also in secondary cities such as Shenzhen, Xiamen, uh, Nanjing, uh, Chengdu. So there's going to be increasing amount Macau Hong Kong, of course, there's going to be increasing attention on regional and local art fairs. Manila's got an interesting fair. Jakarta's got an interesting fair. And this is all pretty new over the last, let's say, three to five years. Art uh, Design Miami just announced they're going to do a fair in Shanghai. Uh, There's going to be another fair of art and design in Shenzhen. So I I also think that this sort of hybrid spaces where design and contemporary art and fashion are all sort of working together fits very well in an Asian culture. So I, what what is going to happen is not necessarily going to be modeled on what's happening in London and New York. Of course, that's not the model for Asia. I think in Asia, they're going to jump ahead to more hybrid models where you can combine uh, lifestyle, fashion, music, street art, uh, digital art in uh, one or more spaces. And maybe the spaces are not permanent. Maybe they're pop-ups. And maybe that's the way uh, the the art world will start to function. Uh, so. I, I like the fact that in Asia sort of there isn't any one model. It, it the, the possibilities for me, the possibilities for creativity and reinventing the art space are really exciting.
0: Yeah. That'll definitely be an interesting area to follow. And so Meg, before we let you go, tell us about the latest with pay fine arts and what you're up to. And maybe our listeners want to reach out if they're interested in your services.
1: Yeah, I mean, we continue to represent artists, wonderful artists, not only from China, but from all over Asia and from all over the world. And I'm using the opportunity while I'm here to get to know some new American, uh, USA-based artists, American artists who are working with Asia in different ways. Um, We're talking to one artist who works with a studio in Jaipur, but he's in Brooklyn. And to me, uh, his name is Alex Gorlitsky. And to me, to work with artists around the world in conversation with Asia is really exciting. So we, I'm, I'm writing a, an article right now on a Norwegian artist that we showed in Hong Kong. So. Uh, to me, this is this is an exciting moment where there's an enormous appetite to see new work and understand what's happening in the art world worldwide coming from Asia. And our job is really to supply high-quality creative con- content for all these new platforms which are springing up across Asia but also springing up across the world. We understand this is a, glo- a global phenomenon but I think the appetite is sort of accelerated in Asia. There's more, there's more enthusiasm right now, perhaps uh, have, being rather new to the contemporary art market, than there may be in the West where it's the, the the art market's been around for a lot longer.
0: Meg, thanks so much again for coming onto the podcast. We really appreciate your insights. And if our listeners want to learn more about Pay Vine Arts, what's the website?
1: Uh, P-E-K-I-N Fine Arts with an S dot com all one word and we are going to be doing some exciting new exhibitions in Hong Kong and in China in collaboration with local pop-up and showing our own artists so all sorts of new things for 2021
0: sounds exciting thanks so much again Meg
1: and thank you bye bye
0: We want to thank ArtBase for sponsoring this week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast. Are you managing an art collection, an artist, studio, or gallery? Is it time to bring your collection management skills up to a professional level? Well, ArtBase is the right software to manage your art business. ArtBase allows you to track your artworks and contacts in an easy-to-use, powerful database. All you do is enter your data once and you use that data to generate reports, offers, contracts, and a bunch more. They've got a brand new version out with a whole new look that can be used in the cloud from any location on any device. So go to ArtBase.com now to learn more and be sure to mention Art tactic for a 15% discount.